Let's go, girls. Welcome, dissidents. We're nearing the end of the Supreme Court term, so that means it's dissent season. We're dropping in with a bonus episode to share our thoughts on a few recent dissents. I'm Anastasia Bowden. And I'm Elizabeth Slattery. And this week on Dist, it's a bonus episode. The court's decision is indefensible. I respectfully dissent. Because the majority in this case has not done what a court of law must do, I respectfully dissent. For these reasons and others elaborated in my opinion, I respectfully dissent. We respectfully dissent. I respectfully dissent. I respectfully dissent. I dissent. So after several weeks of relatively low-profile cases and a dearth of dissents, the justices have finally delivered what we've been waiting for. It's happening. And there are some doozies that came out today. These are some pretty hot takes. Well, I don't know if they'll be hot takes, but they are... uh, Immediate takes. Immediate takes, and there was a lot, a lot of opinions to get through. A lot of everybody had something to say. So and poor Alito. I know we we know what Justice Alito's been up to. He's been Dissenting. writing, yeah. writing up a storm. In our previous episode, we said that Justice Douglas was the mascot for our podcast because he wrote so many dissents. But I don't know. Is it Alito now? It it might be. He's the the modern mascot. So let's start with the big one, California versus Texas. Yeah. Can you hit us with a summary? Yes. Obamacare, everyone. It's here. The sequel, the super duper sequel. And it's a nothing burger. All that wait for a nothing burger. But let's summarize it here. So for some background, as we all know, the Supreme Court nearly a decade ago now, upheld the individual mandate in Obamacare. That is the requirement that everybody purchase health insurance, minimum level of health insurance, or pay a a penalty. And the Supreme Court did that in a shocking decision by Chief Justice Roberts, where the majority held that the penalty was in fact a tax, that this was a proper use of Congress's taxing power. And some years later, the composition of Congress changed and uh, Congress removed the so-called tax to $0. So the question now before the court, is that tax still a tax, even though it's $0, or is it now an unconstitutional penalty under the holding of five justices in that original Obamacare decision who held that if it were merely a mandate with a penalty, uh, it would be beyond Congress's commerce power. Okay, that's mouthful. So what did the Supreme Court say? Absolutely nothing. It said that the plaintiffs did not have standing to challenge this mandate because the penalty is zero and there's nothing enforceable about it. That is, the individual plaintiffs had alleged that they were harmed because they were under this mandate to purchase health insurance. And uh, the majority opinion written by Breyer, we had all hypothesized it was going to be Roberts again based on various calculations about what opinions had been written earlier in the term. Nope, it was Breyer. The majority, it was Breyer, Roberts, Thomas, Sotomayor, Kagan, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, everyone but Alito and Gorsuch. They held that the individuals hadn't been injured. Any injury was self-inflicted, basically. And a group of states had also sued on the theory that it was going to cajole more people onto the state exchanges, which would increase costs for the states. The majority said that's too speculative. And they had also come up with this very clever theory that they were harmed and it was indisputable that they are harmed. They have increased costs by 
other portions of Obamacare. And because if the individual mandate was struck down, they said that the proper remedy was to strike down all of Obamacare. That is, the penalty was inseparable from the rest of the act. That meant that they could challenge the penalty because it would remove their other injuries. So it was sort of a standing by uh, severability argument. And the majority just said, nope. So can I just jump in on... By all means. Justice Breyer being the author. Yes. So since, just to give a, a peek behind the curtain for people who are not longtime SCOTUS watchers in the know, uh, when the justices are deciding at their conference who will write a majority opinion, whoever is the most senior member of the majority assigns the opinion. So Chief Justice Roberts, because he's the chief, he's the most senior here, and so he assigned it to Justice Breyer. And I saw, this is probably a joke, but I saw some musings on Twitter that uh, maybe this is a retirement present to Justice Breyer from oh my Chief goodness. Justice Roberts. <laughs> Conspiracy theorizing is real about Breyer. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, I thought that was uh, kind of kind of humorous. But should we talk about Justice Alito? What he had to say? Yeah, that's why that's why we're all here. Why why did I even do that summary? Can I just say from the very beginning of his dissent, he says that the slender reed that supported the decision in NFIB, which was the first Obamacare challenge, was seemingly cut down. I love that. I keep singing to myself reading these things. Justice Alito's on fire. But he disagrees that there is a lack of standing here. I think one thing that's interesting, Thomas wrote a concurrence and he says that, you know, whatever whatever you want to make of Alito's uh, agreement with the standing arguments, really the plaintiffs didn't plead them. They kind of brought them up later in the litigation, so they were forfeited. So this is a lesson to all you lawyers out there. Pleading is everything. And so is standing, frankly. I mean, that's my hot take on all of this is that standing is a sham. <laughs> it's a way for the government to evade accountability for constitutional violations. I mean, this injury requirement, it prevents, I think, worthy plaintiffs from challenging unconstitutional laws. And even if you don't have some sort of separate injury, we're all injured by having an unconstitutional law in the books. And um, as a plaintiff's lawyer in constitutional cases, I favor broad standing rules, which allow plaintiffs to get to court and to seek remedy for these, to get these awful laws off the books. Yeah. So on the state standing, because there were the individual plaintiffs and then the states here, Alito points to a whole slew of cases where the court has allowed states to have basically the same, the same amount of injury uh, or speculative injury to to have a case go forward. You know, he pointed to the court allowing Pennsylvania and New Jersey just last term, um, you know, a allowing a, a challenge to the Little Sisters of the Poor, uh, receiving an exemption from the contraception mandate regulation. And, you know, going back to Massachusetts versus EPA, you know, the court allowed Massachusetts to seek to force the EPA to regulate greenhouse gases on the theory that the failure to do so would cause the ocean to rise and reduce the size of Massachusetts. So, you know, Alito just has page upon page of examples of um, cases like these. It's definitely worth, worth a read if you have the time. It is. He talks about, you know, this is the trilogy in this uh, Obamacare saga, and I think he's upset that that this really was the do-over for it all. This was the chance to say, this is no longer a tax if it ever was. And we didn't get there, so 
check it out, everyone. The last thing I want to say about this, and then we'll move on, is that I think Justice Bri uh, Justice Breyer, no, Justice Barrett, she deserves a bit of an apology from mm. certain people in the media, certain politicians, certain activists. Mm -hmm. Because let's just revisit in the fall that all we heard about her was that she was being rushed onto the court before the election and also so she could be a reliable vote to strike down the Affordable Care Act. You know, after the argument, she had a lot of questions about standing and she seemed really skeptical. So I guess I'm not I'm not really surprised by how this turned out. Oh, me either. And and on that note, too, I mean, we'll see with Fulton in a moment. That, too, right? There was all this talk about how uh, the world was going to end when Barrett got on the court and voted in certain ways. And all those predictions are turning out to be wrong because, as we always say on this pod, judicial philosophy is something different than political ideology. It is a totally different animal. It is not pure political partisanship. So we hope you're sorry, everyone. <laughs> okay, that takes us to the other big decision, Fulton versus City of Philadelphia, which was unanimous, but it's one of those cases where it's unanimous, but there are mm -hmm. all of these concurrences, and poor Justice Alito, once again, he has a concurrence in, in the judgment that is basically a dissent. By way of background, the City of Philadelphia canceled Catholic Social Services contract to place kids in foster homes because the city found out that social Catholic Social Services follows the Catholic Church's views on same-sex marriage. And Catholic Social Services, in theory, would not recommend gay or lesbian couples for placements for foster care kids. This was actually entirely a hypothetical dispute, though, because like there weren't actually any couples that had been turned away by Catholic Social Services. So it goes up and it becomes a vehicle for challenging Employment Division versus Smith. This ruling by Justice Scalia from uh, from the early 90s where the court held that religious beliefs do not excuse someone from complying with a generally applicable neutral law. So the city here says it requires all of its contractors not to discriminate based on sexual orientation, among other things. And that's generally applicable and neutral. Um, but the city has a, apparently discretionary exemptions from this policy for all sorts of organizations. So the court today unanimously ruled for Catholic charities, unanimously, that everybody, even the liberals, Breyer, Sotomayor, Kagan, everybody agreed with Catholic social services here, which I think is kind of incredible uh, that you have a case with this fraught of an issue, this is not a case that came in a vacuum. I mean, the court has heard a number of these cases where you've got LGBT issues and religious liberty pitted against each other, and they don't often turn out unanimous. So here's what the majority had to say. Uh, it was written by the Chief Justice. It says, the city burdened Catholic Charities' free exercise by forcing it to either violate its religious beliefs or get out of the foster care business. And so the majority says the Smith decision does not even apply here because the city's policies don't even satisfy the threshold requirement of being neutral and generally applicable. Um, so it's kind of similar to this ruling from the mid-90s um, where the court struck down a city's ban on animal slaughter um, because it didn't apply to hunting and killing animals for food preparation because it was, it was clearly targeting a particular religious 
group's uh, animal sacrifice. So this case is more like that. But the real action is over Smith. So Justice Barrett, she has a short concurrence just saying she's skeptical about what would even replace Smith if the court overturned it? And she has all these questions about, um, you know, how how would they judge these free exercise claims? Would there be a difference between direct and indirect burdens and what level of scrutiny? And would you treat religious organizations and individuals the same? And then there's Justice Alito's concurrence, which is basically a dissent on not overturning Employment Division versus Smith. It's 77 pages. So we know what Justice Alito has been up to. Um, before I dig into some of my favorite lines from that, do you have any thoughts you want to share? Yeah, maybe going back to the majority for a second. I mean, a couple things. Chief Justice Roberts says that the policy is not neutral, um, in part because one person has the sole discretion to decide whether or not to allow exemptions. Is that right? And so it can be sensibly used in a not neutral manner. But to me, it's sort of, it's bending over backwards to interpret the statute as not neutral, in my opinion, um, in order to avoid the Smith question. And I think we've seen a lot of, we just see the court doing this in a lot of different cases in a, a lot of different contexts to avoid, you know, thorny questions. Um, but it reminds me even of the Kennedy decision. What was that? A couple terms ago with the cake baker where they said, well, we don't need to get into the the merits, you know, the heart of the decision because the the whole action had been brought against the cake baker because of religious discrimination essentially and so we see the court repeatedly resorting to this argument to avoid other things and to me i didn't i didn't i don't know if i buy that it's not neutral i don't know if you have thoughts on that well and it's it's kind of like they're kicking the can down the road but are they hoping like are they just hoping that you know, culture will change. The political branches will will do something about this. I mean, the the cake baker case is he's back in the news again because you know because he wouldn't bake a cake for a what was it a gender transition celebration. I'm not sure what the status of. I mean, he's he's back he's back in court over that, and so it just goes to show that these issues aren't aren't going away, and so you know trying to decide these cases in a narrow way. A narrow but unanimous way, which seems to be the Roberts method, doesn't get rid of them, and it doesn't provide guidance uh, to the lower courts on you know what what they should be doing in similar cases. I mean, Justice Gorsuch has a concurrence, a short concurrence, short compared to Alito's concurrence, where he says, "Look, the the costs of this." indecision of the decision today are are going to fall on the lower courts, and he says, "You know, just look at." the litigation over COVID-related shutdowns, judges across the country were struggling to understand and apply Smith, even though it was decided 30 years ago. And he says the Supreme Court had to intervene and explain in at least half a dozen cases how Smith works just in the last nine months. So um, Smith is a is a problem that's not going away. I, and I think, you know, what? how do they expect it? If the court keeps saying that there's vehicle problems or they keep they don't say that it's a vehicle problem, but they they give a reason why they can't judge on the clearly presented issue. How do you ever get these issues before the court? I think it's just uh, frustrating as a public interest attorney. There has been no better case to get this issue before the court and to get this thing resolved that, as you say, has been you know really plaguing the lower courts and individuals across the country. 
how do you ever how do you get the perfect vehicle yeah so on this exemption issue alito says basically all the city has to do to get around today's ruling is eliminate the exemptions that it's allowed in the past and then catholic social services has to comply with its anti-discrimination policies or get out of the foster care game uh, and so he has this great line. He says, this decision might as well be written on the dissolving paper sold in magic shops. And he points out that um, kind of along the lines of Gorsuch saying, you know, th th this is a failure to give guidance to the lower courts. There are a number of other jurisdictions that have similar controversies brewing. Boston, San Francisco, D.C., Illinois, dealing with adoption and foster care placement uh, you know, religious organizations and those jurisdictions' anti-discrimination policies. You know, it's an issue that's not going to go away. Um, and his his closing, I think, is very powerful. He says, after receiving more than 2,500 pages of briefing and after more than a half year of post-argument cogitation, the court has emitted a wisp of a decision that leaves religious liberty in a confused and vulnerable state. Those who count on this court to stand up for the First Amendment have every right to be disappointed, as am I. Justice Alito is mad. He's on fire. Yeah, and one more thing on this, going back to the Barrett issue that we were talking about with regards to Obamacare, you know, she actually concurs when everyone had their preconceptions about how she was going to rule. She was going to gut Smith and what have you. But one thing that we didn't talk about is that a lot of people were surprised that Breyer joined that, joined Barrett's concurrence where she you know, express some skepticism about this whole thing, um, except for the first paragraph, which maybe he thought was a little too opinionated for his liking. But people were surprised. And I think if you have read some of Breyer's opinions, I was not as surprised. But it's a it's a again, one of those interesting coalitions that I think um, undermines people's narrative about the court. Yeah. And as as we talked about in our earlier episode on Smith, Breyer had had argued in in a either a concurrence or a dissent in the 90s that the court should revisit smith so maybe by joining barrett's concurrence this was his way of saying yeah i'm not interested in that don't count me in that coalition okay so we'll end with a little game we like to call name that dissent <laughs> Okay, I'm going to read a line from a dissent in Anastasia. Are you ready? No, I'm not. I'm scared. <laughs> okay, first one. Not only does the statute interfere arbitrarily with the rights of the little grocer to conduct his business according to standards long accepted, but it takes away the liberty of 12 million consumers to buy a necessity of life in an open market. Is this Nebbia? It is. Yay. Justice Wonderful McReynolds. McRacist McReynolds. <laughs> it's true. Well, you're off to a great start. Ding, right. ding, ding. That was right. Okay. Okay. Next. The Constitution abhors classifications based on race because every time the government places citizens on racial registers and makes race relevant to the provision of benefits or burdens, it demeans us all. Oh, goodness. Now, I'm going to get fired for not... So, obviously... What was that? Was that Adirant? I, I kind of think it was Adirant. Oh, no, that it wouldn't be a dissent. It wouldn't be a dissent in Adirant. Okay, I forgot this is named that dissent. Fisher? 
That is correct. Yay! The, the, the sequel. The sequel. <laughs> Taking the firm out of affirmative action. <laughs> uh, yes, and listeners, if you if you aren't aware, we have episodes on the descents in Nebbia and Fisher, so be sure to go check those out if you haven't listened. Okay, final one. Um, I have to revise it slightly so it doesn't give away something, so I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Throwing out this law when it has worked and is continuing to work to stop discriminatory changes is like throwing away your umbrella in a rainstorm because you're not getting wet. Mm. It's one of your favorites. One of my favorites? Well, the justice. Uh, RBG? Yes! Okay. Well, it's not... It's not Ledbetter. That wouldn't no. make sense. I can tell you if you want. RBG. It was i i want to say this was the dissent that sort of started all of the justice ginsburg memes okay i'll just tell yeah, you just tell me it's it's shelby county versus holder ah it's the voting oh rights right that makes sense yes. given the the substance of it that makes sense <laughs> okay well that was that was kind of obscure and not one that we have talked about in a previous episode so maybe in the future but I think you did you did a good job. We hope you enjoyed this little bonus episode and be sure to check back because I have a sneaking suspicion that over the course of the next two weeks there will be other descents for us to talk about. Do you want to do our sign off? Did you write it out for me? <laughs> Thanks for listening to Dist. That? Yeah. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to We'd your podcast. <laughs> We'd appreciate your feedback, so send questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes to dist at pacificlegal.org. And please keep in mind, we are starting to plan out our third season, so if you have ideas for dissents that we should tackle in a future episode, send them our way, because we're all ears. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>